welcome to episode 34 of the two on three podcast where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes you should follow us on twitter at two on three pod send us an email if you want i am chris uh, and you can catch me inhaling a shit ton of forest fire smoke at <laughs> CD Villasenor on Twitter. And with me is Ty. I'm also here and also suffering from the same uh, effects of smoke inhalation. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. I was just going to say, what I, I don't know how you do it on Twitter. I'm, 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 uh, I'm only retweeting pictures of how bad it is so everybody can understand <laughs> maybe that, you know, climate change is real. But I do that at SEATJK. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's the smoke. We were we were top of the list on poor air quality, for. Uh, but here's the thing: it's the forest fires are going to go out eventually, but the several hundred coal burning power plants in lot most of the places that have bad air quality, those places are going to continue to to have poor air quality. Our air quality is going to get better sooner. Yes, but the overall heating of the planet is going to... This is, my guess, my point is that this certainly feels a little bit more like the new normal, and uh, I'm not super excited to have a season on the calendar called fire. Fire season? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've always had fire season, like, but it was sort of a limited part of the summer. Now I feel like it is a much larger portion of the summer. Things get dry. Is it because people can't like keep their crap together do people just throw cigarettes and shit out of their cars and stuff is this how that's this... a huge problem yes i mean at what point do people say you know what remember the last five years in a row we had these giant forest fires maybe we shouldn't go to camping in the woods and start a fire like a bunch human of human is a selfish animal <laughs> so bad it's like maybe i'll think twice about pitching my cigarette out of my car i don't know it just seems it just seems like something people might want to consider yeah, sentience without sentience without society is no way to live, man. <laughs> and those people, those people, and uh, our on our theme tonight, uh, those people are probably looking for a little redemption after burning down half the forest of you know of, of Washington State. So tonight we are talking about redemption movies about redemption. We're going to talk about the celebrity redemption cycle, and maybe delve into our own little uh, personal uh, personal tales of uh, redemption. That and in the dangerous. Oh, it sounds really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's the podcast high wire act that third segment. Um, and in the OT, uh, Ty has something, uh, but he won't tell me what it is. Uh, so there, well, I just I it's not that it's not like it's not you know great. I just uh, I I think it's 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 got some comedic value, and I think it's more comedically valuable if I don't tell you in advance what it is. Because all right, fair <laughs> enough. I don't know. Fair fair enough. I'm uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it. We'll call it the redemptive power of. Not showing your nipples. <laughs> what? That's the best exactly. thing. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, um, cinema is full of redemption stories. I mean, literature is—it's one of our favorite things. Everyone loves, you know, in in film or in any sort of story where someone goes off the rails and then figures out that they need to get back on the rails, right? Yeah. Or they need to figure out how to make, to take all the terrible things that they've done and turn it into something positive and and move forward in their life. And I think we all sort of want that. And so it, it shows up in our in our films a lot. I tend to like the ones where, you know, it's generally like a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off, you know, with um, you know, the professional. Leon the Professional, which yeah. is also if you if you like that if you like that movie you owe it to yourself to watch The Killer by John Woo. 
You, you, you absolutely owe it to yourself to watch those two films because it's, you know, Hitman, after killing, I don't know, countless people, <laughs> decides that they could do something good in their lives. And those two movies are just fantastic. And, uh, and the is best thing really, about... Is, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean, no, I didn't mean but I'm just saying the the I mean, the professional also features just an awesome and wildly over the top performance from Gary Oldman, which makes it which makes it terrific. It's a very watchable movie. Yes, um, I, I I you know I don't mean to dispute your your take. Does it is it really about redemption or does he just sort of fi- need an apprentice and happen to find one in it? Yeah. I mean, you could take it that way. I mean, obviously we see it's funny because. Natalie Portman's almost 40 now. Right. And so to look back and see 12-year-old Natalie Portman in that movie. Is, I was roughly how... the same age. We're roughly the same age. I was roughly the same age as she was in then. the film when I first saw And today? Saw it. <laughs> and, so, and every year since? <laughs> well, my, po- <laughs> my point is I watched it as a 12-year-old, so yes, it made quite an impression on me. Yeah, the um, no, he he's he's redeeming himself. I think he doesn't know any better. I think it's one of those. It is a it's a it's a nice take on the manic pixie dream girl thing. In yeah. that he just he comes across this person, and he comes across this person who has a need, and he's sort of just been going about his life, right? He goes, he does his little routine. That's the whole point of the movie, right? He goes through mm-hmm. his routine. He he pops some people for money. And then he goes about his routine, and it's no big deal. He just does it day after day after day until he realizes at some point that maybe what he's doing isn't any good. Sure. And, I mean, spoiler alert for a 24-year-old movie. And I guess I was 15 when it came out, so. Okay. Uh, I guess I was old enough to watch it. I thought it was another RoboCop 2 situation like we talked about last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He does sacrifice himself at the end to save her, so. Yeah, so I mean, there's the the redemption piece, and and the killer, the setup for the killer is a young and very smooth, Chow Yun Fat is, you know, the triad's best best assassin, and in killing a bunch of these dudes at this bar, he accidentally blinds this uh, bar singer. Like sh- he accidentally like he reaches across her face and shoots his gun off right in her f- like at somebody, but she just like sort of leans into the gun blast and she's blinded and he feels horrible about that. And he sets off to help her. Um, and of course the cops are chasing him and, and then, the, then of course the triads chasing him because, and then, the, and then Chow Yun-Fat has to kill everyone. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a, uh, she's a damsel in need. He's a hit man with a heart of gold. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that that plays out a lot in film, and I always that film was always my favorite. Sure, I uh, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> how well? How about you? What do you uh, what uh, what uh, what redemption film um, would you like to throw into our pot? Well, so I always have a hard time defining redemption films because most films have some sort of redemption arc. I mean, of some kind, mm-hmm. and. I think that this list that we, you know, that you sent me originally, um, that I was kind of looking at, I've looked at some others as well, just to get some ideas on, on what, what comes up. Um, there's not enough comedies represented, for instance. Like, I think Billy Madison is the best redemption movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a terrific redemption movie. Right, but that doesn't show up on any best of lists. Well, it, it, is, it shows up on the shampoo is better list. <laughs> goes on first and cleans the hair. <laughs> it goes on. No, conditioner is better. 
leaves the hair silky and smooth. I mean, these are these are realistic <laughs> arguments. That that is the that that little bit does become the water boy, right? That that little yes. that little spot there. Yeah, yeah. Ends up being. I mean, those are all based on the comedy records. Yeah. But really, I just wanted an excuse to talk about Groundhog Day because it's on this list, and of course, it's a redemption movie in a way. But it's really hard to watch now in today's cultural climate because. Especially if you remember that it's her first day. It's Andy McDowell's first day working with him every day. Right. So and, yeah. he, he's and just he like meet, the world's he, most heavy-handed sexual harasser. Yes. It is, it is very... In, in the Me Too era, it is, it's a little hard to watch. But I've seen it written more than once to say that Groundhog Day is the most accurate represent, representation of Buddhism. Of reincarnation, of trying to get it right every day. So this is this is always one of those things where where uh, if anyone brings up Groundhog Day, I always have to ask him how long do you think Bill Murray has existed in Groundhog Day? Oh, I think it goes on for decades. I think it goes on longer than that. You think, I think so? I think it goes on for. I'd like to think it goes on for hundreds of years. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine what a terrible hell hole you'd be in if it went on? I think it goes on for a long 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 time it makes it makes more sense to me if it if it wasn't just a year of him existing in groundhog day but for him existing in groundhog day for longer than he can count like an entire lifetime of living in groundhog day like 40 years worth or 50 years worth well at this point that sounds like you know existential punishment yeah, well, that's the whole point of it, right? Isn't that the yes. whole point of the of the of this uh, of of Groundhog Day? Is that he he at one point can't get it right, and then at some point refuses to get it right, and then finally and then finally catches on to the path, and then decides, okay, I can change this, and then goes about trying to change it. It's interesting how the timing of when you see something affects your impressions of it because i'll tell you something that i have don't know that i've admitted to other people but the first time i saw groundhog day was in the theater i would have been just turned 14 years old and i was with a girl and we left i was like this sucks let's go (laughs) so it wasn't until i was older that i watched it again and i was like oh this is a good movie it's a really it's a really funny it's a really great movie my my favorite thing is my favorite little bit in it is the one where they're at dinner and he's like, well, you know, what did you study in college? She's like French literature. And then he starts laughing at her. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course they cut to like the next one where, where uh, he's completely learned French. Right. And like, and has learned French poetry. So, I mean, how long would it take you to like learn French? And then I feel like someone's done this on the internet, this whole like time study about how I'm long sh- it must have I'm, taken. I'm absolutely sure somebody has. But you know, he learns to play the piano. He learns yep. I mean this these are these are things that take time and, and he's not doing it every day, right? Some days he just does nothing. Like my sense is some days he just doesn't leave his hotel room at all and then wakes up in Groundhog Day again. I mean Well we get shown at least like ten days of him killing himself. Yeah. So <laughs> so I think there are long stretches in between where he's just He's just confused. I don't think every day he wakes up. I don't think it's. I don't think they show you every s- serial day that happens. I think there are long stretches in between those scenes where he's where he's just sort of living in Punxsutawney. Yeah, just having another day. Do you think there's yeah. a day where he just he doesn't? Yeah, he just doesn't go do the thing. Just yeah, and then he decides whatever. he's going to save people. And then how many times does he try to make sure no one dies 
right. in Puxatani that day. Like he saves that homeless guy again and again and again. Um, no, that that movie's that movie's uh, that movie's uh, <laughs> it's it's a deep well of it's a deep well of uh, of um, again existential study. You can definitely find your own suffering if you watch that movie. <laughs> You know, and, and it's one of those things where it's like that would be a terrible place to exist. You know, we all think, oh, it's your holiday. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Every time that every time that alarm clock goes yeah. off, you would just be you would you'd lose your mind. It would be. Uh, have you ever read a Stephen King movie? Uh, Stephen King short story called The Jaunt. I can't say that I have. Oh my god, you should read it. And uh, it's it's tangentially, um, thematically. Uh, maybe similar to Groundhog Day. Uh, it's a it's a quick read. You'd, okay. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm generally not a Stephen King guy, but I'll check it out. Yeah, it's short. It's, it's, <laughs> you could read it. You could read a Stephen King short story. Just don't pick up the stand. Try yeah. to read that. For God's sake. Um, all right. So, um, in terms of our other um, redemption film, there is a whole. I mean. Clint Eastwood has just been doing he Clint Eastwood's been doing redemption for ever. Yeah. Right? We certainly didn't get very far into this list. We didn't. That's okay, <laughs> but I I like the conversation. But uh yeah, I mean just I mean, Unforgiven is maybe you know it's probably the best Clint Eastwood movie. I mean maybe you can at me on that. Um I'd have to but, do some analysis. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's his best film and uh and certainly heavily heavily uh into the redemption mode and an absolutely wildly awesome performance from gene hackman who might be the most underrated actor of my lifetime well i i mean it's hard to argue with unforgiven it won two oscars it won some oscars and he won an oscar i think for directing it right yeah i don't know i'd have to look that up but uh but it's in there and i did not see Uh, uh, like letters from iwo jima man those uh, I didn't I, I didn't see there were there were a couple of war movies there right. Um, the only remember the there are two right. There's one that's told from the Japanese standpoint, and then there's one told from the American standpoint. Aren't yeah, let's not test my knowledge of Clint Eastwood's directorial <laughs> catalog. <laughs> All right, that, that'll be another day. That'll be All another right, day. All right, good. so let's let's uh, let's hop into our next segment, which is um, sort of the the celebrity redemption cycle. I think that. People love to build them up, tear them down, bring them back. For I sure. mean, we just we just live. We're living currently through, uh, and of course, it's the two on three podcast. We can't get through one of these things without talking about <laughs> golf. But we're well, currently living. We're currently living through the Tiger Redemption. Like, yes. we all have. We've all given. Like, we can you really him. redeem yourself through sport after he did all the things <laughs> that he did? <laughs> you know, winning cures everything, right? I mean, we <laughs> Kobe Bryant. I mean, oh. Kobe Bryant. I mean, I don't forgive Kobe Bryant. Well, you don't, but so <laughs> so many people do. How about A Rod? Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Well, let's talk about. A Rod never really did anything. What do you mean, A Rod never ever did anything? Who cares about steroids? <laughs> all A Rod ever did was be a doofus and lie in the wrong stupid way. All he ever had to say was, "Yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. Everybody else was doing it." Yeah, and I made you know eight hundred million dollars in salary doing it. Yeah. I don't care. You I don't care. care about steroids Are you giving? You giving? You giving? In baseball, so nobody, in baseball, baseball, I don't care at all. Baseball, baseball, and steroids. You're totally fine with baseball. The only steroids. thing I care about steroids is: is it bad for your body and shorten your lifespan? Like, is it 
in the same way that well, I care that, about head injuries in football. Like, is yeah. it bad for you and is going to like make your life worse and kill you early? Well, the answer, of course, is yes, but we don't care <laughs> because we're entertained. By I care. It, right? You care? I do. You care about the NFL guys? Yeah, if it was up to me, I would, if I was a commissioner, I'd just be like, uh, we're going to completely revamp the sport. It's going to be the exact same sport. We're just going to take a lot of the protective gear away. It's going to be a, a American football version of rugby eventually. Yeah. Because those guys don't. Shift now. Those those guys don't. Those guys don't get concussions. Because they do, but not in the same, <laughs> not at the same rate. Right. Because you know, coming into it, All I right. just think the players would adjust. I think yeah. if you don't have headgear on and, and shoulder pads, I remember what it's like to deliver a hit with pads on, and it's you're fearless. It wouldn't you wouldn't approach it the same way. At least not completely the same way. Although I can tell you, like for you know, unpadded football, I. I friend of mine from college got his lung popped in unpadded football <laughs> so you know there's that he, he got his lung punctured and and uh i definitely sacrificed the body when you're young but i think you've learned you know, anyway I, we don't this is not what we're talking about not what we're talking about but that's okay but no we're currently living last weekend we saw it in full in in its full glory the tiger redemption is it's on it's 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 here like no one remembers anything that happened between 2009 <laughs> And 2017, people have completely just given him a full pass. It's like, here was the greatest golfer we'd ever seen. He was selfish, and he and he cheated on his beautiful wife and beautiful children, and then he was an asshole to everybody, and then he got injured and almost could never play again. And last week he's in contention to win the PGA Championship, and there were zero percent haters. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody I could tell from what I could tell was, I mean, certainly Twitter was on the bandwagon until were, today. Yeah, there was back. Well, it was the worst take ever, but I saw in like Valkenberg's uh, Twitter replies there was like people talking about. Tiger wasn't actually that good. The field was weak. Only Phil was good too at the time. Jesus. Like just, just that's a freezing. Watch, that's a freezing cold take. It's really terrible. It's like, did you watch golf at the time? Do you not remember how great Ernie was and how like? Do you remember how VJ Singh lobbied the USGA to make the fairways tighter because yeah. he was the most accurate driver on tour? <laughs> right. That's like saying that that everyone that Usain Bolt ran against was slow. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, Usain Bolt won. He won all those races because everyone is slow. Yeah. <laughs> like seven guys. Like if it wasn't for Usain Bolt, seven of those guys would have broke the world record. Right. <laughs> if, if if you took Usain right. Bolt's name out of the yes. out of the out of the hat. That's maybe not a great analogy, considering that is actually measured by complete. Like it's not relative. Like it's it's truly not relative. Well, it is relative. Well, no, but I mean, it's not. He's going to sure. run as fast as he runs, regardless well, who's running. Tiger around. Woods is going to score what he scores at. He at won the stuff. Masters by twelve shots. I don't want to hear any of your arguments about he wasn't the greatest of all time. <laughs> he, he was the greatest of all time. He's not the most. He's not the most awarded. He doesn't have the most accolades of all time. He didn't win the most trophies of all time, but he was the greatest golfer of all time. And Whatever. people are also mad racist. But <laughs> but we're ready to we're ready to bring him back on. We're ready. Everyone's ready for him. And why is that? Because he is wildly entertaining. And we're ready for and we and we and we're ready when we're ready to complete his art cuz everyone has a feeling that his story, his his golf career story is coming to a close. So we're ready to we're ready to we're ready to we want him we want this finished, right? 
sports fans, yeah. golf fans especially, want this finish. We want to see him win another major, and and then maybe he never wins again. But we want one more for him. And people are pulling for him. It's it's very obvious, and it's a and it's a funny thing that we do as a as a as a entertainment consumer society. Well, I had a little theory about this. Right, is that I think that what happened with like discovering Jordan's personality post retirement because he didn't live in the internet era, right? Like he, he didn't live when there was social media and everything was immediate. Like that's what makes like LeBron's accomplishments so incredible is that he's mm-hmm. done all this like under the microscope from the get and, yeah. and made like bad life choices, like getting married early and having fathering children early. Like that makes your life way harder. Yeah. And still, and yet here he is. I mean, yeah. Right. He's, he's has, he has, he has literally no missteps in that regard. The decision is the only thing, and it's pretty and mild. That's, and that's a mild. That's a mild misstep. He just right. he got he he was feeling himself a little too much. It's at best and annoying. Like or, sorry, at yeah. worst, at worst, it's annoying. Yes. But what happened with Jordan, right? Is that he was so revered and so you know for just going hard all the time, and but then we found out sort of after the fact, but with no witnesses other than anecdotes, that he was kind of a prick, yeah. right? Punching teammates and right. yelling at people and. And he was a degenerate gambler, probably still is. <laughs> like perhaps the, I mean, if legend is if legends are true, perhaps gotten a little trouble right. from from gambling. I mean, but, but what I'm saying is that I think that that need to forgive Mike for whatever he would have done retroactively say, well, it doesn't matter now. It doesn't harm his legacy. His legacy is impenetrable because it got right. a chance to be like fully formed before it was attacked. Uh-huh. Um, but now we're picking apart people as it's happening. So it's much harder for you to like form a, an intact, you know, generational legacy. If you're a generational athlete. Yeah. Well, um, if you were trying to, if you were trying to engineer it, you got to screw up pretty hard, pretty early. That way you give yourself enough time to, to, to make some sort of comeback, you know, to, well, to make some sort of, to, to close your arc right. because for most people it happens too late. Right. And then you end up leaving your sport. You know, with the <laughs> with the big you know, with the big red X on your back, right? Like, oh, that guy. I'm glad he's gone because he was a terrible person. Like, and you get no chance. You get no chance for uh, to 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 make a comeback. Well, that's why I'm always an apologist for this, though. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of the bad teammate thing, obviously, but I also don't like the just holier than thou attitudes people have toward other humans in general, particularly people, you know, sports writers and athletes and this need to create these mythic figures as if people aren't just human beings just because they happen to be good at sports. Mm-hmm. So like guys like Terrell Owens or Randy Moss, who, you know, used to be, had, had, had a, a reputation as a malcontent and maybe was in, in ways that were manageable, but, you know, made headlines at the time. Cause you know, there's, they needed, there's a 24 hour, there's how many 24 hour sports channels? 15. <laughs> so, you know what I'm getting at? It's just this idea that people are people and they're going to do dumb shit and raking them over the coals for it as long as they're not being, I don't know, ag- aggressively antagonistic toward large groups. But I don't I, I certainly Tiger, I guess my question is, does Tiger deserve more shit? Like the kinds of things he did in his marriage are the kinds of things that made used to make people like disappear from the public eye forever. Right. Well, people, I mean... I mean, you don't have to go too far to figure out that, that, what, and if you're famous, how many, nine times out of ten, <laughs> you've cheated on your spouse and, right. and, and moved on? I mean, this, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so commonplace, especially among, I mean, 
you know, rates of divorce and all that kind of stuff are down across the board. But if you're famous, the odds are you're divorced at least once, right? Yeah. And so, and 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 that, and so for to rake Tiger over the coals, it's really, it's not, it's not the fact that he did it. It's the fact that everybody had built this image of him, and then when you wreck it, you wreck it all the way. I think the thing that brought this to my attention early on was back when he was contending at the British. I think it was during the practice rounds, even before he was in contention, that he pushed through like a line of children who were waiting for autographs without stopping. Uh huh. And it was just sort of this like half a day story where people just posted it. Here's Tiger kind of being a dick. And there was no backlash whatsoever. And I can't figure out why Tiger gets so much latitude because I feel like most other athletes that might have got some shit for that. The uh, <laughs> I did read a follow up on that. It turns out he did actually at the moment he he walked past them, uh-huh. but he did come back and sign stuff for those kids. All right, he just didn't in that moment because he was in the middle of something. All right, which is the hardest part about being celebrity, right? Right. I mean, if you were having dinner with your family and people were like, "Hey, excuse me, can I have your autograph?" You'd be like, "You know what, dude? I'm eating dinner with my family." You know, yeah. at some point you have to, you know, where do you where do you draw those lines? To, I mean, that's a that's a diff, that's a whole different uh, that's a whole different conversation. I think but. I'd just be yeah. I think I just you know I'm in the middle of a meal. Um, if you're still here when I'm finished and we're ready to go, I'll come take a picture with you. If you yeah. want to wait outside, that's up to you. <laughs> like yeah. I'm gonna make you like put some skin in the game for the right. for the yeah. picture. <laughs> you hang out. You hang out for another 45 minutes yeah. while I eat my dinner and drink my coffee. And I'll and if you're hanging out outside, we'll get a picture and we'll get some you know. If I'm an athlete though, and they and there's a kid and the kid seems genuinely into it i think that would have a hard time saying no that's a tough one that really is a tough one there's a i have this friend who tells this best the best story when he was a little kid he was living in texas the new york yankees had come to town and reggie jackson it's it's texas it's dallas texas he's they're at the rangers game it's july it's hot as hell and out of the locker room comes Reggie Jackson wearing a fur coat. <laughs> and he's he's ten or eleven, and they're all like, "Can I get an autograph? Can I get an autograph, Reggie? Can I get an autograph?" Reggie stops in front of all these kids and all these gathered people, these parents and whatnot, and says, "If I have to sign an autograph for you, I have to sign an autograph for all you motherfuckers." <laughs> <laughs> and of course and then just walks off just walks onto the team bus and then and that's the last thing he's seen right? <laughs> and he said all the kids were just like yeah that's the best thing that ever happened and then all the parents are just pissed right mm-hmm. it's like oh Reggie Jackson you're a terrible person <laughs> <laughs> but the, it was the best experience those kids had ever had like oh my god Reggie Jackson walked by us and had cursed. It was the best. Oh, my daughter has just gotten to the age where she seems to start to recognize the swear words. So, like, we're uh. watching a TV show or a movie, and there's, uh, yeah, I think we were watching um, parts of Justice League. They weren't watching it. We were watching it, and they were kind of coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point, you know, because Momoa's got all the, the, the crass lines in the movie, right? Sure. He called somebody an asshole or whatever, and uh. my daughter snaps her head around. Oh! <gasps> Asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, don't. I'm like, don't. It's like, yeah. She's like, why? I'm like, just don't. It's going to get you in trouble at school. That's all right. I said. And that right. was at the end of the conversation. Those are words that you can hear but cannot say. Correct. That's how we did it. All right. Here we go. Segment three. Are you scared? This no, is a tough one. 
you know, let's talk about, you know, personal. You, the, here's the funny thing. As I was thinking about, if I was thinking about, as I was thinking about personal things like this, like personal redemption, personal life mulligans, mm-hmm. it mostly comes down to being young and stupid. Oh, yeah. Right? So, for me, like, my parents never prepared. This, this is probably, I don't know if this is relatively common with, with maybe Asian kids. Okay. But um, I'm, I'm going to paint it with a broad, broad brush. Um, like, they never taught me how to have, like, a relationship with a member of the opposite sex. Yeah, no, it sucked that you had to figure it out, like, on, like, on the go. <laughs> like, so my, parent, so my parents were all like, well, Chris, you need to concentrate on your schoolwork. Yeah. You have no time for this stuff. You know, and, you know, you have to be this and that. So, you know, you could be, you know work on your sports and do this and that, but you don't really have time for girls. There'll be plenty of time for that when you're older. So my folks never, ever talk to me about like what, like how to manage a relationship with, with, you know, how, so you're so left under yourself. So left under yourself, you're just like, I don't know how to do this. So you, you know, you watch movies. Like I have to learn. Yeah. I have to learn from, I have to learn from watching other people like old my older people at school and I, you know right. well, that guy's pretty cool he treats his girlfriend like crap <laughs> i don't know i mean like so you're trying things on like there's no one sat me down and said chris here's what you should do yeah you know, no, if you like things. that girl you should talk to her and then if she likes you you should ask her to go to the movie and then you guys should just get to know each other i mean if, if someone would have just said that much to me like, I guess I felt like that part was self-explanatory. Helped. No, it wasn't though. <laughs> like as a kid, you just because you know. I mean, well, I, I, I got started myself. I got I'm started obvi- early, so I was practicing. <laughs> I was getting those reps in early, screwing I was, up. <laughs> I mean, I obviously, obviously, everyone looks at me and says, "Wow, Chris, you're obviously cool," and like. <laughs> You're, 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 you're quite you're, the oily bohunk. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> you had trouble with girls. <laughs> but I didn't know anything, so you make all these kinds of weird decisions about, you know, what, what, you know, and and not to say that I was an incel, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that the the incel story sort of resonates a little bit because at some point when you're when you're young. Like when I was young, anyway, it seemed like if you were nice, like you had no chance. Yeah, no, I agree. Right. So, so for people who don't follow this whole incel thing, it's it's this idea that that it's it's sort of the super sociopathic aspect of that idea. It's that, not my fault that, that nobody will fuck me. Is the bottom line. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not it's, my it's fault. It's society's but, fault. It's women's yeah. fault that no yes. one will fuck me. And I guarantee you, no, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. But but I understand kind of where that happens because as a young person, as you're bubbling up through middle school and into high school, if you're the nice guy, you might not you might not get to date a cheerleader. You might not get to be. You might not get you might you might get looked over. You might get friend zoned, and and that's and that's and that's a and that's a it's a hard thing to understand when you're trying to figure stuff out. Here's the thing: we both grew up in, despite the fact that it, I didn't have a lot coming up, I had enough advantages in life that we grew up in what I'll call privileged circumstances. Just sure. across the board, whatever the, the specific socioeconomics don't matter. And I think that 
made us get brought up in what you might call parents instilling you with an environment where parents were instilling you with aspirations. And I don't think that anyone realizes to tell you that when it comes to romance, that you should maybe let it come to you a little bit more than be aspiring. Right. Now, everyone wants to outkick their coverage. But I think that especially early on when you're trying to just get some reps, you're a lot better served figuring out which girls actually do like you rather than setting your sights on some goal and trying to hit it. And that I think is a huge part of the problem. But for- that's not, but that's not how, but left, uh, left unto yourself. That is not how the, t- the, that's not how the, the examples come to you. No, right. It's, you All have to the- come to this realization yourself or somebody else has to teach you this or someone has to help you. Yes. And if, if you don't have any help, in this regard, you will set your sights on, this is the girl I want to date. And what do I need to be or what do I need to do to to get her to, you know, like me? Sure. And then, and it's not so far from there to make a leap to say that, well, bad press is better than no press. Right? Like... I would rather, like, the worst thing that could happen is they could be indifferent toward you. Sure. So if you can't get them to like you, it's easier for you to get them to hate you. And so you'll take the road. You'll take the, it's, I, you know what? If she's not going to like me, she might as well hate my fucking guts. So what could I do to this poor girl? You know, how could I, how could I attack her in some way, shape, or form? that would make her hate me because that would be better than her ignoring me. I see where you're coming from. I and can't that, personally twisted, say that. It's a twisted thing that happens in the sure. mind of a teenage yeah, boy yeah. who has no guidance in this regard. See, my, so I'm not going to get into specifics, but that's the road. <laughs> that's the choice I made as a young person. And, and, and it's regrettable. It's oh, regrettable because the yeah. things that the things that I said, and because I'm relatively, I was relatively popular in that in a way, and I was smart in a way, and fearless to to in a way, that I would do something, something deplorable. That's unfortunate. That's that's it quite is. that's quite a self examination. That's a hard thing to live with too. I know exactly what you mean. Like, there's definitely things from my past where it's like I wish I had acted differently or made different choices. Um, and you're never going to get the opportunity for redemption. I think that's what haunts people because I know that everyone, you know, I think has that, well, everyone that lives some sort of self-examined life has those moments in the middle of the night where you're trying to fall asleep. And it's like, it pops into your head about that jackass thing you said to that person like 20 years ago or whatever. And it's like, you can't ever fix it. Um, and you have no idea if this person might like have spent their whole lives. Not that they ever probably thought about you. It's very self-centered to think that they ever thought about you ever again. No. But you also are having these thoughts about your past, so you must assume that other people do it as well, and you don't want to live in someone's memory as this piece of shit that you might have been at the time. Right. But I will say that my problem was actually the complete reverse of yours, which is I was like a hopeless romantic from a very young age, and my parents, partially because um, my, uh, my mom was divorced, and so my stepfather wasn't really like, he wasn't really my stepfather yet, so he wasn't really taking like an assertive kind of tone with me on how to do things as a man plus mm. he has his own issues and i'm probably better off not having learned how to do what he does <laughs> how he handles his <laughs> shit anyway um and my mom you know probably thought it was super cute she was relatively young so she probably indulged and encouraged me to be you know sort of the 
the, the romantic. But what it turned me into is this like dork, like this this love life dork. But, like <laughs> any girl that showed me any kind of responses to my, I don't know. The overtures just yeah, overtures it, just get grander and grander, right? Oh God! Sort of, or just like, like you know, I traumatic. went out on some yeah, or like I went on I went on like one date with some girl, and like because she gave me a like a a kiss at the end of the night, I thought we were gonna like that meant we were gonna be together. And I mean, this is high school; like I shouldn't be having these. And I've been I've dated other girls, not like it's the first time, but for some reason I'm like, oh, now she's into me, and I this is gonna be the girl I'm with forever. And and sure. it didn't really work out that way. She was sort of like, I don't know, we had fun and. I was just kind of being nice. And I was like, right. it just, just, it just, just devastated me. Like, yeah. I remember, I remember very clearly, like listening to um, the boys to men cover of yesterday, like over <laughs> and over again, <laughs> because this, because it was literally yesterday. Like this whole thing occurred in like a 48 hour period. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, not only do I feel stupid for how I handle that, like, Telling this story makes you feel extremely stupid. Well, so. I mean, but the, but it's the funny thing you do when you're kids. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like you, it's 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 you know making these mistakes at 35, yes, <laughs> or making these mistakes at 15 are two different things. I mean, those are the um, the 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 way you the way you sort of grow from that point is to say, God, that was a really awful thing that I did. I need to sort of re-examine my. I need to re-examine my life. I need to re-examine how I approach this. You know, that's the, the, um, the. For me, it was the. I don't understand. You know why? Why wouldn't she like me in that way? Right? You know, yeah. I was. You know, I was nice. I was whatever, and you know, now you realize that there are a lot more factors that go into it. Yes. There's you lose out on the nuance when you're a kid, right? It's like right. I'm nice enough, I'm popular enough. She should right. want to like hang out with me. Maybe her dating goals are aspirational. Right? <laughs> she just probably wanted to date some dude who was cool. <laughs> exactly, or at least cooler than we were. Right? Exactly. It's like, well, you know, you're 15. I don't drive. You know, maybe right. she. Yeah, you need to. You need to find a girl. You need to find a boy with a car, and then you, you know. Anyway. That was a, that was interesting. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I don't think uh, I don't. It's there. There will be. There will absolutely be somebody who listens to this podcast who will know the story that I'm talking about. So, <laughs> um, well, let's let's hope they let's hope they uh, they don't out me too hard <laughs> after it's all said and done. All right, into the OT. Into the OT. Okay, so I recently acquired a. Uh, a a white golf shirt like a dry fit white golf shirt okay so it's a dry fit white golf shirt with a subtle pattern and it's hot it's gonna be in the sun i want to wear the white shirt but like if i put the white shirt on i really feel like you could see too much <laughs> like i am really relatively dark complected for mm. what you what most people would consider a white man sure and and as such my nipples are pretty dark <laughs> So I'm wearing like a dry fit white shirt. It's it's very it's got the Chandler Bing like I, I know I can't see your nipples through that shirt like you right. can't you can't but then you can you can you can well first of all the dry fit shirt is the great nipple revealer of men everywhere <laughs> like I mean honest to God if it wasn't for the fact that it was that they are comfortable and convenient I mean unless you had a really decent physique wearing 
of dry fit shirts generally a bad idea true the workout shirts i used to wear when i was fit don't look so good on me these days <laughs> the golf right? shirt's a little more forgiving the golf shirt's a little more forgiving but in general that dry fit the dry fit material is not flattering to you it's not flattering right so it now, clings in weird ways right and especially you got now you got a white one <laughs> it's not all white thankfully and yeah but the problem is that i want to keep this shirt i like it i like the way it looks it's style the style is cool i, I want to wear it it fits nice but i'm never going to want to wear it without an undershirt and then that's sort of going to defeat the entire purpose of wearing a right. white shirt i agree i agree so here's what i have here's how my closet works i i redid my entire closet. i cleaned out a bunch of stuff this this summer <clears throat> i had some time so i janked out about two-thirds of the stuff that was in my closet. And then I realigned it. <laughs> I realized that I have this whole section of shirts that are shirts you will wear, but only under a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I have those. I have only with a jacket shirt. And all of those are white. Like, I will not wear... I won't wear a white golf shirt or a white shirt, period, just out. Like, I won't wear a white golf shirt. But I have, like, the Uniqlo Airism undershirts that are, like, super thin. And that's yeah. enough that you and can't... I have, like... I have those, too. But still, the white... Sh- there's something about that white shirt, man. I just can't... I can't do it. I can't... I can... I, I'm happy to wear it under a, a sweater or a sweater vest or something like that. But I I just don't do white white golf shirt. I just can't But do it's it. hot in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but you could just wear, like, gray. I For some odd reason, gray is fine. But there's something about a white golf shirt I just can't deal. Yeah. On the golf channel they had Golf's Greatest Games 2010 Ryder Cup. Celtic Manor? Uh, don't hold me to that, but that sounds right. Um, but the Euros are all wearing white shirts and dark slacks and no hats. They're all hatless. And they look like they're like the like some the team front, from the, the front of house sales people for like the <laughs> warehouse. Like, you know, they all look like they're going to sell their, like they're all look like they're going to their laser printer sales job after the, <laughs> the round. It's, it's not a good look. You know, what's funny is I noticed that, that the, the Americans don't do that, but the Europeans will ditch their hats for the Ryder cup. They don't like, they, I guess if you're not getting paid to wear a hat, those guys don't want to wear it. I don't know. In the five minutes I was watching it, like three of them had to hold their hand up in front of their face to see what they were doing. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe wear a hat. But I Perhaps. think the bottom line is for the white shirt is that if you're going to not, if you're in a situation where you can't wear an undershirt, it's too hot. The only real acceptable place to wear the white shirt or any sort of nipple revealing shirt is sure. if you're in a place where shirtlessness is already acceptable. The beach. Like, more or less. Yeah, because I remember I wore like a mesh tank top at the lake camping. <laughs> wait a minute, you wore a you had, wait, 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 uh, it was sleeveless, not a tank top. Sorry. Uh-huh. But I wore that like in the river because I wanted to protect myself from the sun. Sure. But there's like a picture of me in it where it's like I'm wet. And so it's clinging to my body. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's it's I remember being embarrassed about it at the time. And I'm one in an acceptable place to wear it. And two in pretty good shape. So I shouldn't really feel bad about it. And sure. as time has passed, I actually don't feel embarrassed about it anymore. I'm kind of like, hey, look at that. <laughs> hey, look, I look pretty good there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the bottom yeah. line is that's the only place you can wear a sheer white shirt. It's somewhere right. where shirtlessness is already acceptable. That's the best part about being older is that when you look back on on pictures that you thought at the time you didn't look very good. Yeah. But be, but because you were twenty seven years old, you're like, hey man, I look pretty good in this picture. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not bad. That's not a bad deal. Like you know, I remember at the time thinking, God, I kind of look like a goof. But then yeah. uh, now I look back, I'm like, Hey, that's, that guy, that guy's got something happening. Look at that yeah. hair. Look at that cool hair he's got. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oldness. Well, we all could have done better, but I guess it turned out okay. Yeah, but, but that's. I mean, maybe that's the point of if we're gonna put a bow on today's today's show. It's like you know. Really, when it comes right down to it, a lot of these foibles, I mean, as long as you didn't end up in prison, if no one died and you didn't die and you didn't end up in prison, you know, you didn't do, you know, something awful like that permanently, (laughs) that permanently changes the course of people's lives. Most of us outgrow this stuff, right? Sure. The things, the things that feel big at the time, when you look back at them, you think, oh, those are pretty minor. Yeah. And... What you have to sort of balance and keep in mind now that I'm, you know, now that I've got a, you know, a teenage girl in the house that, you know, she's going to see these things and they're going to feel very big. Right. And you're going to have to, you're going to have, I'm going to have to find a way to acknowledge the fact that they feel very big to her and respect that. And at the same time, subtly letting her know that this isn't going to be as big a deal to you down the road you know what yeah I mean? it's it's I, I think about that a lot because obviously i have two young daughters and at some point that's going to have that conversation and this is the kind of corrective action i wish my parents had taken at the time say right. hey maybe you should just settle down about this a little bit right or just um, just come to grips with the fact that yeah this feels very big to you right now go ahead and cry let's cry this out right you know let's let's but and then, both both and that yes but then tomorrow yes We'll 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 cook some eggs and we'll talk about it a little more and maybe it'll feel not so not so much. Well, I remember the first time I ever went to uh, like therapy was because I couldn't like get over a girl and I went to like one session of therapy and basically the therapist was like, "Yeah, but what about perspective?" And I was like, "Oh, oh, you're right. Cool. All right, I, uh, I'm good. I'm never coming back." <laughs> what about perspective? <laughs> so I, I mean, that's not what they said. But, yeah, you know, like, but it was, yes. the conversation was essentially boiled down to, "I hear where you're coming from, but uh, what about?" The fact that you're 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I don't even think I was that old. Maybe 19. And then my mom was like, how'd it go? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm cured. <laughs> I'm cured. <laughs> what, the, what the therapist said was, here, stand here real close. Okay, now now close your eyes. And then the therapist kicked me in the nuts. <laughs> and then sent me home. It's like, yep. get out of here with your bullshit problems. Yeah. It's, I, there's That is something I think that... All old people <laughs> lament that youth, the young people lack is perspective. Right. But what we lacked in perspective, we made up for in like raw emotion and energy. And it's, and it's, and it's, sometimes it's, sometimes it's fun to think back when you had that. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. It just leads me to the eventual conclusion that the entire, like, humanity as a concept is so flawed from the get go. Yeah. But look at us. We do great. Pretty good. Anyway, that's this is a, there'll be a there'll be another show down the road where so everybody go pick up your favorite Steven Pinker book, and we're gonna have a book we're gonna have Steven Pinker book club down the road, and I'm gonna tell you why everything is great 
and people just are losing their fucking minds about it. Oh, well, because we're in a retrograde, and <laughs> that's going to happen. Because when you're on a when you're on a, a... Hey, don't spoil don't spoil don't spoil episode thirty uh, six. All right, <laughs> I like Steven Pinker. He makes a yeah. lot of very good keeping in perspective points. But it also I think sometimes sounds like don't worry about what's happening because everything's fine, and that's not yeah, something that's really going to resonate think, right this moment. Well, that's not what I don't think that's his point. But well, again, don't ruin episode. 36. I'm just saying it can come off now. <laughs> All right, well, you guys have that, you have that to look forward to. At some point, we'll you bring do. you the good news. Yeah. The good news is we were shitty kids and grew up to be marginally functional adults. Yeah. At least I know not to be shitheads to people now. Right. Well, it took me a really long time to learn <laughs> I shouldn't be. Well, people I know. If I don't know you, you can get fucked. <laughs> not you personally, listeners. Yeah. We, Other people we know that, like, I encounter in life that are terrible. <laughs> Those people, they can, they're the ones that can get fucked. Right. <laughs> All right, my brother, man. It was good times. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, to the Two on Three podcast. We always appreciate your clicks, downloads, and your interaction on the interwebs. So holler at us on Twitter, and we'll be back next week with more shenanigans. And until then, peace. Old pirates, yes, they rabbi, sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pit But my hand was made strong By the end of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom is all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs yourselves from mental slavery none but ourselves can free our mind oh have no fear for atomic energy cause none of them cannot stop at the time how long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and
just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you hear to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs These songs of freedom Songs of freedom <laughs> 